The VPM Daily Newscast is sponsored by Kanawa Capital Management. Your financial life is unique, complex, and dynamic. Kanawa Capital Management's team of credentialed professionals has been helping its clients build wealth and confidence through personalized planning and informed investing since 1989. Learn more at cancap.com. That's K-A-N-C-A-P.com. I'm Benjamin Dolly, and this is the VPM Daily Newscast. After a recent Washington Post article detailing the experiences of black cadets at Virginia Military Institute, Governor Ralph Northam called for an investigation. Now the college's longstanding superintendent says he resigned under pressure. Whitney Evans has more. General Benford P. said in his resignation letter Monday that Governor Ralph Northam asked him to step down. Some Republican lawmakers say Northam, a VMI graduate, should extend the general, in their words, respect and grace. They brought up Northam's own plea for forgiveness when his old medical school yearbook surfaced last year with racist photos. VMI graduate Kenia Lee filed a complaint against VMI. She says the ouster gives her hope that change is coming. I don't think VMI is, is a bad place. It just needs a structural change for people like myself to succeed. So I'm willing to do whatever and take that stand and be brave enough for the people after me. VMI officials say the incidents black students describe are many years old and don't represent its current culture. Whitney Evans, VPM News. Last month, supporters of President Trump held a rally outside an early voting location in Fairfax, a move some Democrats called voter intimidation. Ben Pavier has more on what's being done to keep voters safe. State law allows people to support their candidate, as long as they're not loud, and keep a 40-foot distance from the entrance of a polling place. John March, a spokesman for the Republican Party of Virginia, says the Fairfax Trump supporters did nothing wrong. They were just out there on public property supporting uh, supporting their candidate. Still, some voters asked for escorts to bypass the crowd. Attorney General Mark Herring says that what the Trump supporters were doing may have been illegal. It prompted him to write an opinion outlining state and federal laws on intimidation. If threats are used to stop a person from voting or to make them change their vote, that's voter intimidation. Firearms are not allowed at some common polling locations, like schools and courthouses, and in Richmond, city buildings. But there's no blanket ban on guns at the polls. Herring says voters who feel intimidated should speak with a poll worker. Ben Pavier, VPM News. As early voting continues, Chesterfield County has established off-site parking and shuttles for two of its four locations. Shuttles will transport voters from Virginia State University Randolph Farm to Ettrick Matoica Library and from Church of the Epiphany to North Courthouse Road Library. The shuttles will run on a continuous loop starting 15 minutes before the locations open. The hours of both early voting sites are this Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 8 p.m. and Saturday from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. when all early voting ends. For more information, visit vpm.org elections. With the deadline to return absentee ballots just a week away, the city of Richmond has one of the lowest ballot return rates in the state. VPM News intern Connor Scribner has more. Only 55% of Richmonders who requested absentee ballots have returned them, compared to 66% of all Virginia voters. State Department of Elections data showed a 16-point increase in the city's return rate over the weekend. One factor may be the city's mayoral and council elections. A recent Christopher Newport University poll showed a full 30% of voters still picking between mayoral candidates. Richmond resident Byron Watts said he wanted a little more time with his ballot before making a decision. I wanted to make sure the candidate I voted for, you know, actually had a real chance at winning, that my vote may actually help them win that. 
Others who'd planned to vote absentee have instead voted early in person. They worried a mail-in ballot wouldn't be counted in time. Connor Scribner, VPM News. To count, mail-in ballots must be postmarked by November 3rd and received at the registrar's office by November 6th at noon. Claire Gostanyaga, executive director of the ACLU of Virginia since 2012, plans to retire in the coming months. During Gostanyaga's tenure, the nonprofit has litigated against LGBTQ discrimination, racial injustice, and privacy infractions. In her retirement letter released yesterday, Gostanyaga said that she wants to make way for the next generation of ACLU leadership and plans to continue her political advocacy after retirement. ACLU of Virginia is currently searching for a new director. Gostanyaga will stay on until one is found or until the close of the next General Assembly session. Health experts recommend children get an hour of daily exercise, but as Ian Stewart reports, Chesterfield students in virtual school are not getting nearly that much. With kids heading back to in-person classes, time for exercising will be even less. When virtual learning first began, Chesterfield PE teacher Tim Bova knew it would be hard to coach students in that setting. We're only allotted 30 minutes when we are using the computer for our resource. Now Bova's 30-minute time slot is changing with new guidelines based on the hybrid school schedule. His regular routine of teaching once a week will now go to once every five weeks. That's far less than what's recommended by the CDC. The agency says in order to combat childhood health problems like obesity, 60 minutes or more of daily activity is needed. To help keep his kids active when not seeing him, Bova has come up with both a fitness and nutrition plan. So I really wanted these kids to get a hold of a healthy lifestyle even though they're pretty much going to be doing it on their own. Bova says even if they don't have a lot of time together, he still wants them to keep moving as much as they can. Ian Stewart, VPM News. The Chesterfield County School Board will get an update today on how the pandemic has affected enrollment. Before the health crisis, the district was on track to have an enrollment of over 63,000 students. But according to a presentation released prior to the meeting, that number has decreased, falling under 60,000. District funding is determined in part by student enrollment, according to the Virginia Department of Education. But earlier this month, the department announced it would cover some of the district's expenses despite the decline in new enrollments of preschool students. The school board meets at 3 p.m. and will live stream on the district's website and YouTube channel. The roster of people running for local office in Richmond features more young, progressive candidates than in years past. Roberta Roldan recently sat down with Rich Marr, a political science professor at Randolph-Macon College, to talk about Richmond's changing politics. Marr began by explaining the recent rise of progressive candidates and voters. Yeah, it seems like there's a new progressive class, a really progressive political class growing in Richmond. They are younger. Uh, They're part of the kind of influx of uh, young professionals into the city. Uh, And this is part of a a change in urban living, I think, in general, that young folks, particularly progressives, have embraced urban living, uh, but they want kind of progressive policies to go with it. So more funding for transit. uh, They're concerned with racial equity. And of course, all of that has been framed recently by the social unrest related to George Floyd and, and all the events that followed that. And many of these candidates come from these relatively new grassroots activist groups. Can you tell me a little bit about these organizations and and how they're involved in local politics? Yeah, so Richmond for All is a big one in Richmond. Uh, That has a a, a few people behind it that's tried to work in in multiracial coalitions to try to embrace uh, young candidates who have a change agenda. Uh, And and one of the things that signals is uh, a challenge to existing institutions, Older institutions in Richmond, particularly the Crusade for Voters, uh, the NAACP, uh, the Democratic Party, these are older organizations that have 
become firmly entrenched in the establishment. And I think the newer folks to the city are looking to dislodge some of the powerful politicians who've been in place, you know, among the city's leaders. And policy-wise, how effective have these young progressive activists been in, in influencing local politics so far? Just going back to the example of Richmond for All, uh, they really arose out of the Navy Hill development uh, and organized people around opposing that. And I think they won a huge victory. I think they were a huge factor in why that was eventually defeated, that development proposal. Uh, In the past year, they have transitioned to support candidates in local races and not without some tensions within their own organization. They've had some trouble kind of putting down tensions or or dissent among members of their organization who feel like they should be still more involved in grassroots advocacy and issue organizing and and direct support. Uh, And that's a question that a lot of political organizations face, particularly as they grow. I, I think that part of how that shakes out will be how successful these young progressive candidates are this go around. And what are the electoral prospects for these progressive candidates in Richmond? Certainly the the quarantine and the protests have made politics just generally uncertain. Uh, But even if we didn't have the quarantine, even if we didn't have the unrest of this past year, I think this challenge would still be out there. These new progressive organizations, these new institutions. And so the question is, how big is their voter base? How much does this interest in progressive politics translate into electoral activity? What about the rest of the state? I mean, are we seeing more progressive candidates running for state or local office outside of Richmond? It's not just in Richmond. It's not just in cities in Virginia. It's a national trend that goes along with the changing nature of cities in this country. It used to be the divide was city versus suburb. Now the divide is city and suburb versus rural areas. So I think in areas that are not rural in this country, we're seeing more and more progressive candidates. We're seeing more interest in progressive style policies. Uh, and, and, and that isn't going to change anytime soon, no matter what the outcome of this particular election, either here in Richmond or elsewhere. You just heard Rich Marr from Randolph-Macon College speaking with VPM's Roberta Roldan. All the stories you've heard can be found online at vpm.org news. This has been the VPM Daily Newscast. VPM.